the Red 78. I just can't believe you've been positive for three weeks in a row. It must have been something that's so out of your mind. I can't believe it myself. I can't believe Available it. every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Off the ball, daily. Now you're welcome along. So Dan McDonnell is home from Doha. He'll be in studio to reflect on the month that was between 9 and 10. Uh, slight tangent coming at you between 8 and 9. Lots of emails and thoughts to get through from the listeners. So myself, Mick, Arthur and Colin Buig. Colin Buig from OTB AM fame. Probably driving in as we speak. Excited. This is his dream come true, really, to be on a slight tangent. And we thought it's Christmas. Will's away. Ronan's away. <laughs> we asked several other people who said no. <laughs> Colin Boo can do You're it. So That's harsh what we said. Uh, Tiger Woods played at the weekend. The Masters uh, has just announced it will allow live golfers to play at Augusta 2023. So golf journalist John Huggan will join us on these very strange times in the men's game. 53106, the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy, hello. Hi, Joe. And Richie McCormick, hello to you. Even gents. So a slight tangent on the way between eight and nine. Yeah, the the so what you said about Colin, being harsh on Colin, and fair enough. Like you know, he's gonna get he's gonna get newbie slaggings, and that's fine. <laughs> but here's the thing: I was excited about him being on, and then I'm out in the office, and I was told I didn't hear this. He was on OTB AM this week, and he was going on about some subject or other, and it was like. Jared was like I'm not listening to this anymore if you want to talk about this crap go on that slight tangent thing that they do in the evenings that was not said something similar to it or something close to it and now I'm there thinking to myself hold on we're not we're, we're, we're nobody's uh, sloppy seconds for inane banter slash conversations that's, that's not what we're that's not what we're about here I was unaware of that conversation I was too I think I you'll too. find a slight tangent very popular very and and with the numbers anything, to back a, it up, a, like anything but inane. Well, look, I mean, fifty percent of it tends to be inane, but we, we we do tend to dig into things as well. That's shaking me that conversation. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I don't know. Is it true? I, have I just uh, have I just slandered uh, the big boss man on live radio? There's a possibility of it, but I was told that that is a fact. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, would you a coffee catch up myself and himself very soon? So <laughs> that'll be topic number one. Uh, we got to press on because lots to get through. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. So I mentioned it, Richie, the people that be, the powers that be at Augusta have made their decision on uh, live golfers and it's thumbs up, Greg Norman. Yeah, absolutely. Organisers of the Masters saying today the players on the Live Golf Tour will be allowed to play at Augusta in April. Former champions Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia and Patrick Reed are among those plying their trade on the Saudi-funded tour and banned from PGA Tour events as a result. While voicing his disappointment in golf's big split, Augusta chairman Fred that he wants to bring the preeminent field in world golf together in April at their golf course. So again, I mean, the big weapon, I think, that the golfing establishment, quote unquote, had against the live golfers was exclusion from the majors. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I suspect all the majors will uh, follow suit, to be honest. And obviously last year, they they mostly did. The Masters last year, if you remember, asked Phil Mickelson to stay away because at that stage he was seen as the (laughs) singular... Yeah. Big bad wolf who was trying to ruin golf, and uh, they've now accepted reality. I think it, what happened here uh, is that Live Golf uh, reached the point of critical mass. Just had too many oh. former champions, too many of the world's best players, and so for the Masters and any other major to exclude them would uh, somebody was saying earlier self-interest. today twenty percent of twenty percent of their field 
would have been wiped out almost instantly. Yeah, because the manager's field is so small. Yeah, and it's twenty yeah. percent of the field, but it's also like there's a lot of high-profile names in there mm. that like the Masters is lesser than by not having them, and that's that was always going to be the way. That was always going to be how how they won, but I suppose the next step then is the ranking points because when these players aren't going to be automatically qualified will they have also lost some of their you know cachet by that stage as well because you know if nobody hears anything about Bryson DeChambeau for three years is he going to be that much of a draw for the Masters by the time he's not in the rankings to qualify for it anyway you know like or or say by the time his five year exemption runs out what's that three years away now Mm. like that's um, you know the that's I think the that's something that I think they could still do. I'm with you. I think it's all going to work out. Ranking points will come in, and there yeah. will be some sort of dual tour status, or you know the ma- the major certainly will be above what tour you're uh, a member of. I think very soon. But if that wasn't the case, what I'm saying is allowing those who qualified to compete is different from allowing those to you know use their live tour to qualify for majors. We're not at that point yet. No. Yeah. As things stand, so 15 live players will play in 2023. If you look at the various conjectures and world ranking points and the criteria, it would go 15 players in 2023 to nine players in 2024. And then by the time 2026 comes around, it would be down to seven players. It would be Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, Charles Warchell, Garcia Reed, and uh, Smith. So basically, six of those have won the Masters before, and Smith has just won the. Yeah, so he's got five years yeah. from now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think, look, the, the short version of this, we'll talk to John Hogan at half past seven. I would think is that the organisers of all four majors sat down at some stage in the last year and said, You realise that this live business, as bad and everything as it is for golf, makes our event more elevated than ever. Only four times in a year. Well, you get to see Cam Smith, who is probably the best golfer in the world, versus Roy McIlroy. Only four times. Yeah. So if you're a golf fan or even a casual fan who wants to buy into the live versus... This is like a Ryder Cup thrown in on top of the majors. Mm. So I, I would think self-interest... Except nobody's watching live, but I, I agree with you. Those names are still going to oh, be yeah. there. And it's, self-interest is always going to win out in those things. People are all communal and all for the you know collective fight up until a certain point where they're like, hold on a second, are we the ones who could benefit from this? But I also think... And that's what happens. That especially happens in certain sports. But I do also think, to be fair, the majors should have all the best players in the world. Self-interest or no. Yeah, I'd agree. But it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be a little bit of a sour taste about... Oh, there will be. I mean, I can't wait to see the No, but I mean even from from a... fans point of view or you know you're saying you're making that comment the major should have the best players I agree I think that's the that's the better way to do things but it doesn't mean it's the best way to do things and it's it's it's, it's the better of two uh, bad options like, you see it's weird when you're talking about this every week the sports washing aspect is why I think a lot of people don't like it within golf that's not the criticism or that's not the issue. The that's issue seems to be that you're... golf isn't the only... No, I know, but yeah. the, the issue is you're attacking the main tour or you're unloyal to the main tour. I personally... If, if, if Live Golf was sponsored by more acceptable money, say, would you feel, oh, they should all be excluded or that they shouldn't be allowed to play majors? I kind of no. think it's fair enough if they go and play in a different tour. 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's a tour that doesn't seem to be based on sporting merit, though, which I think is an issue for sure. sports. So there is there is the Saudi Arabia aspect of it, which I don't think can be glossed over just because golf is glossing over. Golf has glossed over. You know, yeah. so golf has decided that's not an issue anymore. Now we're about like, I'm loyal to the PGA Tour, like as if it's like WWE versus WCW, like who cares? Yeah. But it... Uh, you know, I'd, as you're right, nobody cares about that. Saudi Arabia shouldn't be glossed over, but then also it is the it is the competitive nature of like, what are we watching here? What are we? I'm not interested in exhibition golf. Mm. I'm not interested in seeing the best names for the sake of the, big, the, the being the best names and to watch some of those guys. Phil Mickelson is a seniors tour golfer. It doesn't matter what he does at this point of his career. Uh, he is basically an exhibition golfer at this stage. That's fine, but there's plenty of guys there: Deshambo, Kepka, Cam Smith. You know, like really top names in their prime who are gone to aren't going to be playing competitive uh, golf to like you know best themselves against the best in the world or test themselves against the best in the world constantly. And I think that's just a real pity for the sport. And I think it, it sends us down a bad uh, it sends us down a bad road that there might not be much coming back from. And I think that you know whatever that's golf now that's fine. But I feel like sport is going that way in an awful lot of ways and you know whatever I was just thinking about this sorry I've gone off this is the maddest this is a stupid tangent and I'll only say it very very briefly but I was thinking to myself when we saw the World Cup final Messi and Mbappe and it's like oh great they're going to be back playing club football together winning matches 8-0 against Toulouse and whoever else in a crap league because they're there because you know an oil state who just hosted the World Cup owns their football team you know, there's like there's all that stuff isn't to be celebrated. I think. No, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all to why it's still okay to have a problem with live golf, Joe. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, needless to say, Richie Buenos Aires is hopping. Yeah, they've uh, exceeded, I think, all expectations there today. Crowds in excess of an estimated 4 million have packed the streets of Buenos Aires alone to welcome home the World Cup winners, Argentina. The Albi Celeste arrived back into the capital in the small hours of this morning. A national holiday was declared there for today after they secured a third World Cup win on Sunday evening. I saw that. I wouldn't, a public holiday declared a campaign this repeat every year. This is now enshrined. This is just an extra public holiday forevermore should be the campaign they, even the scenes when they touched down last night at 4am not surprising but they're still nuts all the same yeah. there's people there lining the streets who've been crying for about 15 hours at that stage I'd say yeah. I was talking to Arthur and uh, David in the office about this today and we're going to actually talk to Jonathan Wilson tomorrow who obviously wrote this brilliant book on the history of Argentine football Oh yeah, and uh, it, there was uh, apparently a lot of that book is that Argentine nationality is based a lot around their love and passion for the sporting team. There's an awful lot of other things in Argentina that haven't quite worked since the end of colonialism. And it is football that kind of brings them together. And you can kind of, you can sort of sense that when you see what all of this always means to the players, to the fans and to everything in between. Like it is, it is beyond nuts in a way that I don't think any other country quite compares to, at least one that we see as often as we do with Argentina. And, you can't just you can't but be happy for them. I think because it's just like it when it means this much and it means something to everyone. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but we don't see these scenes every four years. You know, not like this anyway. And yeah. I just yeah, I just think it's a it's it's a lovely lovely story to see people that happy and that happy is even too weak a word. I think that like jubilant. 
jubilant, yeah. emotional, emotional wrecks because of uh, you know this is they all seem overcome. Yeah, this uh, yeah, almost like this religious experience of euphoria. That's you know. How would we celebrate a World Cup? With far too much drink. <laughs> My first thought as well. It'd just be a week long session. Yeah. yeah, it would just be. It yeah. would just be a lot of drinks for this. For, Remember yeah. Arthur's Day? No. Arthur's, Arthur's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do remember Arthur's Day actually. Yeah, yeah. is that still going? Is that still? No. Oh God, God, no, 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 no! They had to kill that with fire. Year two or three, I think, was the end of that yeah. one. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasty it was one. a mess. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, Joe's shocked her. <laughs> were you not in town on an Arthur's Day? Actually, no. I say that not not on the day of an Arthur's Day. We ever in town the day after an Arthur's Day? Possibly. Um, it was so Carnage. disgusting I'm, I remember not good for one year though when it was just literally one year. a, a well, like, anniversary was celebration that, was that the year when they had like different bands in small yeah. pubs like Primal Scream played the Granite out in uh, uh, what was it Palmerstown um, whereas I think after that it was just a day and an excuse for everybody to go and, and, and get leathered and I remember doing coming into work at like six in the morning the next morning coming in in, in a taxi and going through town and there was just this layer of filth and grime and ugliness all over the city and you just knew that it wasn't long for this world because it was just such a mess in terms of how people attacked it I guess mm. it's more on us really than Arthur isn't it <laughs> well, he's not. Too, he's in the grave a while, though, so I don't think we can really uh, point the finger at him. I feel like that's why we can't have nice things. It's yet so, another example. <laughs> Would yeah. can can we just get back to some semblance of reality and and to Arch- oh, swinging the World Cup? Arch- oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, no, but uh, no, but no, no, but I'm comparing. I'm going back to the non-reality point about Ireland winning. Would we have that kind of like we you know we have the Italian ninety image of the the lovely old guy clapping and crying, and I think there'd be a bit of that. But would there be that? you know outpouring of euphoria you, yeah, euphoric like not being able to handle yeah, the words. kind of joy that you're experiencing because you see we'd be primed we'd be primed by the month in advance building up that's to it, it. think yeah. how fraught we would be during the group stages and the knockout games and the roller coaster so you are a wreck by the end of a world see, cup as a thing. neutral you've, I you've never been, mind if you're I, following I think if you're from the country you've been through so much when the final comes around that you're in a certain state but there is something in what Mick says there about how Argentinians identify with football whereas like you, like this country we've had so many conversations around it it's so fractured in terms of people's allegiances and the ability to get people on board with certain sports that you do have football people but then you have people who are certainly along for the party and it would be like they'd be jubilant they'd be euphoric but it would be a tiny little bit forced and it might dissipate quicker than you imagine it will do in, in Buenos Aires and uh, elsewhere in Argentina because they're just so indoctrined with football there and particularly when you throw in the 78 and the Maradona stuff like it is in their blood in a way that I don't think it is here that even even though we would celebrate it and have a massive hooli mm. I don't think the lasting effects would be felt the same way they will be uh, down yeah. there How would we react to Ireland winning the Rugby World Cup? given that this is rugby country. God, Ireland winning the Rugby World Cup would be in some ways a miserable thing to happen because all it would be would just how quickly can people say it's not a real there's only nine countries playing. <laughs> it would become a giant row after oh, an hour. Immediately. It would be, it'd be all the build up uh, the, the wreck that we'd be feeling would be having those arguments for a month in the build up mm. as opposed to living and dying by each game. Oh, it'd be actually a grim thing. Don't do it, lads. <laughs> Get to the final. So, Maybe semi-finals a sweet spot so that they broke the quarter-final. They're not failures. They're not, yeah, yeah. But equally, 
don't have to oh no they say, oh they never got past the quarterfinal would be quickly replaced by they were supposed to be the best team in the world and they still didn't win it you know they didn't win every game by 100 points in a sport that nobody like plays in the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing the impersonation of people attacking rugby speaking like rugby people <laughs> You're, all, you're off base there, uh, fellas. Joe, stop pointing oh, out my flaws. Go on. Uh, so, well, speaking of... Speaking of, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyke Furlong looks set to make his Leinster return on St. Stephen's Day. The prop will be further assessed this week ahead of the game away to Munster. Will Connors is nearing a return from a bicep injury, but the Tom and Park trip will come too soon for him. But Ed Byrne and Thomas Clarkson have been ruled out for 12 and 8 weeks, respectively. Munster, meanwhile, will welcome back Simon Zebo, Stephen Archer and Jack O'Sullivan for that game. But Edwin Edogbo is out for the entire festive period with an ankle injury. And John Hodnett requires a scan on a low-grade thigh injury. Leinster senior coach Stuart Lancaster has been impressed with the upturn in Munster's form in recent weeks. Well, I think the results speak for themselves, really. You know, like I say, the away wins. Um, obviously, they've always been a very, very hard team to score against. Um, so they've still got that sort of um, that competitiveness defensively. But obviously on attack, you can see you know, how they're working hard off the ball and uh, the lines that they're running, you know, the improvement that they've made there. Uh, and they've still got their set piece prowess both defensively and in the line out the scrum strong and they're very very good close to your line you know when, when they're um, picking and going and generally converting pressure into points so um, yeah no they're going well they're going well and uh, credit to coaches for, for, for doing it yeah we'll see what happens with teams I, there's been a bit of a trend with the festive matches two games of back the back, last yeah. couple of years where there's, it's an unwritten agreement or it's a wink and a nod and it's, it's best teams tend to play at home and lesser teams play away which exacerbates the sense of foregone conclusions you just kind of hope they go at it a bit more but players need rest so we're anticipating lots of players will be rested across the festive period there is um, bad news for Connacht they've quite a few injuries of late they do, yeah. Knee surgery is going to rule Gavin Thornbury out of action for Connacht for a number of weeks. Last week's Challenge Cup win away to Breve has also forced Paul Boyle to miss this Friday's date with Ulster due to a shoulder injury. But John Porch, Mac Hansen, Jack Carty and Finlay Bealham should all return for the Western Province. Ulster are going to be without Billy Burns and Rob Herring for the trip to the sports ground due to concussion and a rib injury respectively. Connacht head coach Pete Wilkins was asked today about Thornbury's injury. I know there's a tendon injury in there and I think you know that in itself makes it fairly significant so um, he's seeing a surgeon today and um, you know on the, on the back of that we'll know a bit more but um, you know it'll certainly be a number of weeks um, if, if not more so we'll wait and see but it is serious yeah For the love of Jesus you're gone off on a tangent already get back on track says Larry Toole in Black Rock I take the point Larry so we will press on so for, uh, Practice for those me. of you starved of football action it's back, yeah. Five Premier League sides are in Carabao Cup fourth round action tonight. Two of them meet at St. James's Park where Newcastle face Bournemouth for whom Mark Travers starts in goal. Elsewhere, Danny Mandrew, Sean Rowan and Paul O'Connor all start from Mark Kennedy's Lincoln City away to Southampton. Gavin Bazunu between the sticks for the visitors. Joe Hodge is named in Hulan Lopetegui's first, 11, first ever starting 11 for Wolves as they entertain League 2's bottom side Gillingham. And Dawson Devoy, Connor Grant and Captain Warren O'Hora all start for MK Dons as they play host to Leicester uh, Colin Boog has been in touch and he is insulted by the way we're talking about him so uh, there's that <laughs> uh, Colin we are thrilled to have you along for 8 o'clock we're expecting big things yeah apparently I misunderstood the story about uh, the OTBM exchange as well so we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll hear more after 8 o'clock Colin Boog on a slight tangent after 8 his debut 
is uh, coming at you. Anything you want us to discuss, then uh, send in your emails. There was any, like, <laughs> some of these emails just get us in trouble. The thing, the great thing, the best thing about a slight tangent is the uptake and emails sent in. Yeah. So. Thoughtful. Uh, brilliant. And I think maybe email encourages that. So a slight tangent at offtheball.com. For instance, Richie, how's this for a okay. lose-lose question? If you oh, no. dare, I mean, uh, answer this if you want. So uh, Jack, Jack emailed in. He exactly. said, I love the segment. I look forward to it every week. A few weeks ago, you discussed underrated Irish sports people, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is obviously, oh, no. you know, that's a, that's a nice topic to discuss, people not getting their due. My question is, who's the most overrated Irish sports person or what's the most overrated Irish sporting achievement? Now, while you're thinking about that, Richie, <laughs> what I just want to point out about that email, I didn't know where Joe was going with that, is that that's all he says in the email. There is no suggestion of anybody. But the subject of the email is just an Irish person's sporting name. Can I? I don't want to say who it is. And I also disagree more than I could have disagreed with anyone who he says. Can I posit a theory? Yeah. That would get me in a lot of trouble. We're not on uh, national radio or anything, Joe. Oh, God. Be careful. Is there an argument that, and we're talking about overrated, so it's not... You could still be incredibly high. It's not a great achievement. I'm saying overrated. What? Who? Winning an All Ireland hurling title, <laughs> just in general. There's only five to six counties that can compete. No, and it's lauded. It's lauded as like a great, great sporting achievement. Whereas, like an athlete will go over and finish third or second in the Europeans and not even get a mention by comparison. Overrated in terms of it's like a defining moment of the entire sporting year. But of course it is, yeah. It's a competition between at least eight kind of... Uh, like the Rugby World Cup. The match team. Like the Rugby World Cup. That's what I was going to say, though. And I don't think the Rugby World Cup is in any way lesser, le- le- you know, a lesser achievement. The it's Rugby still- World Cup would be spread across literally the world from north to south What's uh, that? Hem- hemispheres. Whereas Sorry. we're talking about the banks of a couple of rivers in Ireland, uh, to Joe's point. So yeah. am I, am I but, way off base there, Richie? No, Richie I obviously know, agrees I, with you. I'd, 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 there is... Uh, more than a kernel of truth in what Joe was saying there in in the strictest terms of overrating a sporting I think this is a bullshit conversation in general by the way (laughs) no no the conversation in general because this it's it's Jack's fault I know you're getting into it but it's it's like we can't continuously have this conversation about what's good and what's bad it's like it's a load of shite like there's 80,000 people who go to those games that care about it and and like you know and there's people who live and die by what it is and it means something to them and sure why do you need it to be in the context of the world the Rugby World Cup doesn't matter because it's not as big as football the only sport that's big enough to be to matter you know what I mean that's what the rugby know, conversations listen, ultimately you. come down to you know so anyway I'm fed up with it <laughs> yeah right. don't attack Harlan <laughs> in front of me it was the email lured me into it I was and Claire are rubbish too Ed. oh <laughs> I've cut him off I don't know how I did it but I just with some sort of mind trick <laughs> I've got Richie gone sheer hatred I've never seen it work like that <laughs> That was impressive. What was? The way you just did that with your brain. I just... You just got cut. Telekinesis. Is that the yeah. way? Oh, he's back. You're back. You're back. You're back. You literally went the second you said... Rage. The second you said Claire, it just went. It was actually yeah. incredible. And that was Mick. That, that's the power of the producer for you, Joe. Yeah. As well, you know. I, to be fair, Richie, I wouldn't argue the hurting point strongly. And just the, with the email, I was trying to scan and think of... <laughs> Because when it says overrated, you have to think of the most celebrated. And like, All-Irelands are the most... Like, we'll be doing pieces 25 years later on an All-Ireland win, you know? Yeah, because they're amazing. <laughs> it's literally impossible to... to, to you have to make your county team. Yeah. You know? 
then you have to go out and compete against the best of the best in the league competition because it's only there is only a certain amount of teams that are in there to win it. Can I ask you genuinely, is the Gaelic football All-Ireland any deeper than the Hurling All-Ireland? There's a bigger drop-off in Hurling. So you can't, Division 2 teams can't compete with Division 1 teams. But in terms of chances of winning in All-Ireland, and I don't just mean when Dublin and Kerry are dominant, I mean always. Mm. There's more chance there's for no sure, depth I think, whatsoever in football. in football. But there's more There's more chance, I think, in football that it will that it changes, that those counties that are, you know... I'd have a look well at the role of honour and see if you're right but, about that, because I don't But, but just, in, just in terms of, like, in the terms of the depth, I'm not talking about, like, finalists, even, like, semi-finalists and provincial finalists. Like, yeah. we will have a bit of a, a churn in terms of people reaching that level, whereas hurling, like, more often than not, will be the same. You know, we we're talking about four, or maybe the six same teams in semi-finals, year on year, more often than not. That's no, eight. Um, it's eight. Yeah. But, yeah, I understand. It's my fault. I shouldn't have read out that email. I was just trying to whet the appetite. We're now not doing that on a slight tangent, I think. <laughs> Why not? I'm, no, I no. I think, uh, sorry, what, what I reacted wasn't the hurling thing. It was, uh, and, it, and it wasn't anything you guys were saying. Right. It was just that we go down this avenue of like talk, of undermining achievements by by comparing them Very to other sure, things. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's, it's, such a, it's such a disease we have in sports conversation. Mm. To and it, honestly, it's like uh, very rarely comes up with GA actually. So I'm not even I'm not even being defensive about that. It's actually rugby. I feel I feel like gets it nearly the most, most. Be- because it's like it's it's football only fans comparing everything that isn't football to football. Sure. Football's and a one-off sport. To be, to be fair to you, I would say there are, I, I, I would know very few people who love all sports. Yeah, the way you love all sports, the way I do. Yeah, generally, like you're into them all. In a, in a very deep way and in a way where you wouldn't have to go comparing others or standing on the shoulders of others to feel better about your chosen sport um, we should press on Rich okay. do you want to bring us uh, get us out of this uh, <laughs> do, do you want to bring us a last story or two and then we'll wrap it up yeah this one is uh, is only gaining more legs in fact Brentford striker Ivan Tony has been charged with an additional 30 breaches of the Football Association's betting rules all offences are alleged to have taken place between March of 2017 and February of 2019 Tony who was called up to the England squad back in September was charged with 232 breaches over a four year period just last month and Manchester United have triggered one year extensions in the contracts of four of their first team squad Marcus Rashford and Luke Shaw will stay at Old Trafford until 2024 Joe Godin Dalot and midfielder Fred are the same. Boss Eric Ten Hag also has the option to keep goalkeeper David De Gea for another 12 months, but the club is in talks over a longer-term deal for him. Okay, very good. And very lastly, actually, because good news story, League of Ireland attendances, I mean, everybody had the inkling and and could see it with their own Mm. eyes, and now it's very much official. Yeah, it is indeed. Attendances in the League of Ireland showed a significant increase this year, according to a report from the FAI. Research indicates a 29% rise in crowds at matches in the Premier Division alone. The figures from 2022 were compared to those in 2019, which, of course, was the last season that was unaffected by COVID-19 restrictions. That doesn't factor in uh, First Division crowds, particularly Cork City, who would have uh, bring, bring in four and odd thousand to Turner's Cross uh, every other week as well. So it's uh, a really good news story for them. Mm. Just to puncture that feel-good uh, vibe for a moment, uh, people are really latching on to most overrated sporting achievements oh, no. with some venom. For instance, Pat Newbridge, surely, surely the, the most overrated sporting achievement, and he has achievement in kind of withering quotation marks in Irish sporting history, is Munster beating the All Blacks, says Pat Newbridge. It's fair. <laughs> No, I'm not doing it. It's not amazing, but in terms of what's happened on the back of beating a touring side. This is just too negative a line to go down. 
It just is. Save how it for how true week. is the story not that they were hammered, by the way, the New Zealand lads? That they arrived. Well, they were hammered 15 nil, yeah. I think. 12. No, but you, but 12. you know what I mean? But you know what I mean? That they were, they were carrying <laughs> they a few. Were out. They weren't, I don't know. They weren't entirely clear of head. I hadn't heard that, actually. Is that a thing? Yeah. That's yeah, I've I've heard that's out there that they were essentially they rocked up pretty hungover and uh, weren't in, you know, if any fits date. Uh, not in the same way. The Moskeen would be going for points whatever before a match. So who knows what's the, the gradient conjecture, there at all, conjecture. Yeah. This is a team going um, for a, a tour grand slam. I'm back on defending them. That's that's not win us three further besmirch the achievement of brilliant sports people across various codes. I agree. Jack's that's, Jack's email was you know, a disgrace. A disgrace actually. And also again, I'm not gonna mention the person that Jack had in the subject title. Oh yeah, but I know who it was. Go on, who, who was it? Do they are they are they a current Irish rugby international? No, no, no. no. It's an Irish ah, it's a snooker athletics legend. Oh, sorry, it's snooker world champion. <laughs> snooker. <laughs> Not named Dennis Taylor or Alex Higgins. So we got to push on. Uh, <laughs> we're done, Richie Michael. Thank you.